Welcome in, everybody, to the My Pets Wellness Weekly Wellness Podcast. My name is Kevin Crispin. I'm the Chief of Staff at My Pets Wellness. Good to see you again. I am here with the returning champions, Dr. Jason, our Executive Medical Director, sir. Dr. Rodney, our Director of Wellness and Personal Growth, sir. Uh, <clears throat> I am Mr. Crispin. Uh, so <clears throat> we are going to go into our third part of our three-part series on anxiety. If you've been a fan of our podcast and have been following us along, it is definitely a theme and a lot of what we talk about. Mm -hmm. But these past three episodes, we wanted to focus in directly on anxiety uh, uh, in a more uh, specific way. So we've talked about what anxiety is. We've talked about <clears throat> seeking help and how to cope with anxiety. And now in the season finale, we we're going to talk about how to cope with anxiety in the veterinary medical world. Again, as you know, if you've seen this podcast or listened to us, it's something that we talk about a lot. So we're going to take, we're going to really turn to you, Jason, as the veterinarian on the panel. Um, I want to ask you this. Uh, you've been a vet for years now and all jobs can induce anxiety except for chief of staff jobs. And, uh, but you would say, would you say there's a higher likelihood to experience anxiety in the vet med field? Uh, yeah, I mean, yes, I, I think so. It, it could, depending on what you're comparing it to, if you're comparing it to someone out as an EMT, maybe not, but um, I think that there's a lot of different components to what we do as veterinarians that can put you in a situation to where you, you're, you're anxious, whether it is a normal response because it's just a scary thing that you're about to go do, um, or it's a situation that has happened and gone the wrong way and now you're anxious about it because you have to do it again because you just left an exam room and now you have to go into another room and do the same thing that you just had like a bad experience doing. So That is, um, uh, man, uh, <laughs> sorry, that really hit home for me right now because uh, that's yet another thing I have not considered that vets have to go through. And the yeah. fact that you, you you deal with one thing, it goes poorly. Well, too bad you're going in because yeah. the next dog or, or cat or, or uh, animal is going through the same thing. And God, that, that is a whole other level of stress. Or just the days where you have like six appointments that say aggressive, will bite, muzzle. Mm -hmm. And you walk out of one room having your tech just gotten bit. And then you have to walk into another room and hope that the muzzle gets on before somebody gets hurt. Uh, and then you have a puppy and you're like, okay, I can, and then your next appointment is another kiddo that's known to try to murder people. And so it's like that roller coaster of the day <laughs> that I've talked to you and yeah. Dr. Jessica about, um, which is really hard to get, maybe even to get your bearings. Yeah. So you can have days like that where your anxiety is legitimately like, I'm going to get hurt because I know, oh, I, I know Marley's coming and I don't like Mar Marley doesn't like anybody. Uh, or there can be anxiety. I, I can go back to my first year in practice and the first in-home euthanasia I had to go do. Um, and I walk in and it's in their living room and there's about a dozen people there, including someone with this like camera that looks more expensive than my car. Mm. And they were like, yeah, we all spent the night in the living room on the floor with him last night. And we invited so-and-so over. He's a professional photographer and we just want to all be here. And I was like, cool. Hope I don't screw this up. <laughs> like this is, this is not good. And this was a, uh, wow. Okay. And it was a white boxer. Um, but into the story, it all went well. 
I have a beautiful piece of wood that they laser etched a portrait of Parker and it's still in my desk. Uh, and that was a long time ago. So oh, wow. um, they were a very kind family. Um, but that was back in Colorado. And But like you go into that and it's like, all right, I um, hope this is, this is uh, I can't screw this up. Like you just, you can't. <laughs> that you're right and literal uh life and death situations um so it's there's a lot of different so you can run into anxiety for physical fear it can be performance fear for for a euthanasia yep. procedure that is the two most important times a person comes into the building is when they come in with a brand new puppy or they come in to say goodbye and those are the ones where you have to be on a hundred percent you have to really be either there as an educator and as an excited, like, I love your animal, or a there as a emotional support human uh, for the people in the room, because you have to be the strength to go through something like that. And then you can have anxiety over something that you're scared to do. I've never done this surgery before. Mm -hmm. I did this surgery before, and it went really bad. Um, one of my first spays in practice, uh, I did everything right, um, and from the very beginning, everything went very wrong. Like you, you, you pinch the belly really gently and you take your blade and the point is up and you barely stick it in to make a little teeny hole. That way you don't like take a knife and go into the abdomen and stab stuff. You're not supposed to stab. Um, and I did everything the way I was supposed to do. And there is a piece of, uh, what's called momentum. It's like a fatty thing that wraps around the intestine. It's very vascular. And this dog, it was stuck right underneath the skin. So when I pinched just that little teeny bit and poked, blood just started coming through the abdomen. Uh, and I'm a month out of school and I went, um, I need help. <laughs> uh, and uh, my boss came to my rescue and we figured it out and dog did fine. But the next time I had to go do a spay, I was a little scared. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm a little scared. Dr. Rodney gave some time after <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. gonna say, I can see your reaction. Yeah. Uh, but the dog was okay. <laughs> I can't even imagine. Fine. Like if uh, most jobs, not all jobs, right? <laughs> but most jobs, if you make a little mistake like that, it's like, oh, that's a mistake. We'll learn from it and try not to make it again. That is, again, the life or death. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but you learn. There's a difference. A new grad, any little bleeder, it's like, ah, what do I do? Ah. And then now at this stage of a career, it's like, that's bleeding. Let me get gauze. All right. Uh, something's bleeding. Yeah. Shouldn't be bleeding. Let's figure this out. Like you okay. just, it's like, I'm holding it. It's cool. Like I got time. They have a lot of blood. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and speaking to the importance of pets in our lives, Dr. Rodney, we spoke last episode about dissociative acts mm -hmm. and, and finding comfort in, in our senses and, and, and focusing on those. And uh, obviously we had a dog at that time who came up and was in the shot and so my question for you is, how often do you find, you hear the term emotional support animal mm -hmm. a lot. How often do you find that that is really something that <clears throat> people rely on uh, when they are struggling really hard with anxiety? What what do you think is one of the um, the most effective parts of having emotional support animal as opposed to maybe some other way to treat the anxiousness? Well, having an emotional support animal is much more healthy than doing heroin cocaine you get what i'm saying but it's kind of like a yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's, it's really the same mechanism you know you're just trying to escape your pain a lot of people definitely as you know connect with their animals mm -hmm. and they feel close to their animals and that animal does emotionally support them and and so it's a much better connection than acting out in some other way 
that's going to make your life unmanageable in a way that is not really healthy. Um, you have to be careful, I think, that that the the animal itself does not become an object that you're using for yourself as opposed to you treating the animal for what and who it is. I don't know if I said that right. You know, because the concern can be that you can begin to use it as a tool to support yourself and you no longer see it as a live breathing um, animal. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, Did I yeah, say that yeah. right? My, like a teddy bear concept. Yeah, I it, love you when I'm sad, but go away when I'm happy. Right, that's what yeah. I was trying to indicate. Yeah. So yeah. then it goes from the emotional attachment to them that supports me. Now, okay, where's my dog? I need it right now. Without it ever concerning yourself with the fact of that the best time for the dog to interact. I don't know if I said the wrong thing there, but I was trying to make no, sure so. that you realize any coping mechanism can have negative consequences, you know, drugs and alcohol. Yeah. But even an emotional support animal, when it becomes out of control or when you're using it as a thing to help you, I'm, I'm concerned because I believe in the value of the animal as a separate individual from you. Would I, am I saying it the right way? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, so Jason, you know, you've, you've always been on, on these episodes pretty open about your anxiety and everything. And you've shared some <clears throat> experiences with us today, the at-home euthanasia, that early spay. Um, as a more experienced doctor now, have you been in a situation with maybe uh, a younger doctor just graduated, just starting out, where you have seen uh, that, that she or he is having an anxious reaction to something and... How did you address it? Yeah, um, that's a great question. Um, I, I've i probably said this before. I love to teach. I um, enjoy helping doctors and technicians grow and better themselves. And so I've encouraged associates um, to try new things, to do surgeries they've never done, to, you know, dentistry is kind of my little area of passion. So, yeah put that crazy dental on your schedule. I'm here. I got your back. Mm -hmm. And so I heard and sensed the hesitation. Um, and ahead of those moments where I know they're, they're anxious, you know, meeting, meeting with them, talking to them saying, Hey, I know your skills. I know you got this. Here's, here's the, the materials that I read to like brush up on it. Here's the YouTube video I watched of a specialist doing this surgery just to like, have an idea to visualize what you're going to do. And along with giving them all of that training and those tools, it's when it comes into that moment, when that's what they're faced with, mm -hmm. I've made it a priority to be available and, um, let them know I'm here. If you need me, um, my, my last position in clinic, I had a few, a couple of doctors that were really great veterinarians and they were, learning and getting more and more comfortable with advanced dentistry. Mm -hmm. And so anytime they were in a major procedure, I would usually be in the exam rooms. Uh, and I'd walk into the room and be like, Hey, uh, we've got a dental on the table. Uh, they may come get me if they need me just so you know. And I would tell my clients that right. That, that way they could walk in and be like, they need you in the, in, in dental now. And I'd be able to go and help and clients would understand and just offering that support. I think them knowing I was there, and then a lot of the time when I'd show up, I wouldn't do it for them. I would coach them through it because um, you're not going to fix somebody's fear of, of a procedure or scared they're going to do something wrong unless they do it. So 
coaching and teaching and saying, yeah, no, that's, yep, that's what you're supposed to be doing. That's what it's supposed to look like. Keep going and staying mm -hmm. there and helping them get through that and get over that experience rather than just taking it over um, is how I've really, it, it's a sense of, I love it. Like I love being able to help people get through those things. Yeah, and you weren't, uh, excuse me, you weren't kidding about the, the passion about dentistry. One of the first times I spent time with Dr. Jason, we'd gone out to dinner and uh, we were waiting for our food to ingest. And uh, he's like, hey, I got a bunch of pictures of dogs mouths on my phone here. And he just, I was like, what, what am I looking at? And it's, it's been going well ever since. So, uh, oh, Dr. Rodney, on kind of the stories, one, that Jason has told, at suffering anxiety and to kind of the leadership he's taken and teaching and helping people through anxious moments. Do you have any advice for Jason in the situations that he or another veterinarian may find him or her, her him or herself in when they're anxious? Any advice with how to cope with it in the moment, how to get past it, um, that type of thing? Well, okay. So let's say, give me an example is I'm going into a room and I just messed up in the other room. Yes. Um, good with that. Okay, so let's go with that one. Yeah. Uh, before you opt in, you have to collect yourself. Okay. Mm -hmm. But then maybe you just need to quickly reach out to somebody to say, you know, right now I am a little anxious, but can you just talk me through that and remind me that I'm a good vet and give me support in that way so that you walk, don't walk in the room with your hands shaking and sweating and so that the the animal or the family if they're in there sees that anxiety already creeping up so you just have to when you notice it's coming you prepare for the next step and there's still no um, substitute for letting another person support you in that way and just remind you that you know what you're doing even though that didn't go right you can do this one right the fact that that went wrong doesn't mean that this one's going to go wrong um, because then if the anxiety is overwhelming to you, you'll go in and you'll do it wrong because you're trying to not do it wrong. If you get what I'm saying, you're so, mm -hmm. um, you don't go through your normal technique of how you do it because you're kind of overcompensating for what happened in there. So you get somebody to remind you of your skills mm -hmm. in the vet area. I think that would be a very helpful thing. Yeah. So I, I, I wanted to ask you, do you have peers like a, that you would reach out to if you had a really bad day uh, at the clinic or you had a couple things happen and then you, your confidence was shaken or you're, you're feeling anxious about a number of things where you would reach out to say your friend Earl and, and say to Earl, hey, I had, who's also a vet, I had this issue today. Is that something that you, you find in the vet world or no? Some of us have it, mm -hmm. um, some of us don't. Um, it's usually other doctors, other associates in your clinic that hopefully you have at least one that you're close with, that you can be vulnerable with. Um, not everyone has that. Um, and then some of us keep in touch with doctors from afar. Dr. Rodney, you know my, my friend Lindsay yep. uh, in Colorado. She called me last night. Did she? Uh, and so um, I actually forgot to call her back. Uh, but uh, <laughs> Are you anxious about that? A little bit. I'd be afraid uh, of her. But she, uh, <laughs> No, uh, we're, we're good. Uh, but I think it's, there's not all of us had that luxury, um, but most of us find it in a coworker or keeping in touch with vet school classmates. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the perk of working in 2020. It's pretty easy to keep in touch. Um, my first year, I, I even kept in touch with one of my really good friends through vet school 
who has moved to Australia and practices in Australia. So I'd be in the middle of my workday, stressed or frustrated or overwhelmed or whatever, and we could Google chat because ah, it's like yes. eight in the morning and she'd get ready to go to work or yeah. getting off. I don't know how the time changed the other side of the world. I don't know. I don't remember. Think it was a long time it, ago. Think about it like with dentistry with dogs. Okay, sure, yeah. sure, 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 sure. Yeah. yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Um, so <laughs> to that point, though, um, on a previous episode, we had Jamari on, mm -hmm. uh, who has been a vet tech for 13 years. And one of the things she came back to over and over again was about that relationship between the, the tech and the doctor. And you spoke to it, too, from the doctor side just now, like having that person you can and mm -hmm. you know that tech goes in it does some prep i believe and 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 is able to let you know kind of what you're walking into with that animal and then afterwards they can probably be uh, someone to lean on and talk to yeah and talk through that and, and that and, owner and okay yeah <laughs> usually because most pets are fine like it's rare that we have aggressive or whatever but it's nice to have a tech walk out and go all right this one's cray cray um, you're going to have to interrupt them because they're going to talk for an hour and a half about nonsense and they're mad because their other vet did ABCD. So like they can prep you for those sort of clients, uh, which can get, it, it's nice to know walking into. Um, but I'm glad you brought up Jamari and technicians because that's one thing I was actually thinking about when, when you were talking to Dr. Rodney mm -hmm. is, um, you know, we focused a lot on doctor's anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think, you know, the statistics are there. We've talked about how veterinarians are three-ish times, I think it's around three, I can't remember the exact number, but around three times more likely than the average person to commit suicide. Vet techs, it's closer to five. And so they, because not only do they deal with a lot of the same anxieties we have, but they tend to get the brunt of it, yeah. um, especially from the super type A, high demanding vocal, um, boss-like leaders that we have throughout veterinary medicine. Not that that's what should be, but that's what's there. A lot mm -hmm. of us have experienced it as doctors with one of those bosses. Mm -hmm. um, and technicians, we think we get it hard from, from those people. Technicians get it twice yeah. as hard. And so, you know, making sure that the technicians that are watching know that you can use these same, same, same tools, mm -hmm. um, whether it's a doctor or a tech to confide in, it's, it's important that you guys are taken care of because I've seen more technicians break down crying at work than I have doctors. Wow, I, that's a, a sobering statistic. I did not know that. And I think um, I, it's a good reminder of why we continue to have, we're continuing this conversation mm -hmm. among yeah. us, among other team members, and of course, uh, during your, your doctor support group that you guys do every Thursday night. Um, which technicians are welcome to. And so technicians are welcome. It is, it is, it used to, we started it as a doctor group and realized that it needs to be more widespread. And so wellness rounds are every Thursday at seven central. Um, and we call them wellness rounds because as a breed, veterinarians don't like to admit they need help. So the idea of support group, uh, we didn't want to stigmatize it. So we, we call them wellness rounds, but it runs support group like. Okay. Um, and I, I think that's a good place to stop with our, our series on anxiety. Um, and uh, to the point that you just made about veterinarians, about technicians and the higher rate of suicide, it's very important. Um, obviously, if you are struggling, hopefully you have that peer group. You have someone that you can speak to, as Dr. Rodney always says, that safe person that you can talk to and seek help. 
Um, and we also have those wellness rounds, as we said, every every Thursday night at uh, 7 p.m. Central. So um, just know that you're not alone, and, and there are a lot of ways uh, that you can get help and, and, and everything. So, There's a lot of resources. UT has resources. NOMV has resources. We're building our resources. You know, there's for anyone that's out there struggling, you'll, you'll find what you need. You just have to be willing to ask for the help to find it. Yep. Great. And I think that's a great uh, uh, note to end on. So Dr. Jason, thank you, sir, for your, your insight and your stories today. Dr. Rodney, as always, thank you, sir. Thank you. Uh, and thank you at home for uh, watching and or listening. Um, yeah, if you want to learn more, you can always go to mypetswellness.net. Uh, and find out there. And until next time, uh, we'll see you on the weekly wellness podcast. Thanks for stopping by. Take care. Bye.